we've been talking about practical problems for everyday problems, and um, one of the problems that, that each one of us experience, and in fact many descriptions and books and stories and even Hallmark car cards have been written on the subject of friendship. And uh, I like a couple of them that I read. One said that a friend is someone who knows all about you and still will be seen in public with you. That's kind of cute. And another one said that a friend is someone who doesn't mind that you didn't call before you dropped by the house. And, uh, you know, many, many of us have experienced, as you can probably attest, many problems that can arise in the area of friendship. Misunderstandings, hurt feelings, lying, gossip, anger, and even immorality have invaded even the closest of friendships. And uh, so today, as we take a look at this particular subject, we're going to talk about basically the problem of friends. And uh, if you don't have any, that's a problem. And if you have some, it's a problem. So I think everyone's in this morning. We're all included. So, you know, it, it, you won't walk out of here saying, well, I just don't, I, this has nothing to do with me. Um, well, obviously, you're one of the ones that don't have any friends, and it does. So we'll, we'll explain that to you as we go along. One of the first problems that we're going to have as we, as we begin to explore this topic is that uh, there are varying definitions and words that are used in the Bible to describe friendship. And in fact, the words friend, companion, and neighbor are translated from six different Hebrew words. And uh, the most common Hebrew word is used 42 times in the Old Testament, and it's translated in our English as friend. Uh, but it's also used 104 times in which it's translated as neighbor. So it's used on an interchangeable basis, and we need to understand that. And I think we'll be surprised as we go through it when we're talking about friends in one particular setting, a neighbor in another setting, that sometimes they're interchangeable. So we're going to take a look at that. Friendship in the Bible is, is, a, is a huge topic. In fact, in James 2, it says that Abraham was called the friend of God. And uh, in that same book, it says that we're not to become friends of the world, that we're not to be friends with the world. And so as we go through this, if you've got your Bible, a foundation that I like to use is in Ecclesiastes chapter 4 that talks about friendship. And it's used at a lot of weddings, and uh, it's used out of context, but then again, so is most scripture that you want to fit a certain occasion. You know how that goes. So it's kind of like, man, we need a verse here. Without vision, the people perish. Well, what's that have to do with anything? You know, it's like, whatever. But in, in uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 4, written by Solomon, the same man who wrote Proverbs we see an insight into friendship. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12. We read this. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. For if either of them falls, the one will lift up his companion. But woe to the one who falls when there is not another to lift him up. What a great argument for the, the, the concept of accountability. And he says, furthermore, if two lie down, they keep warm, but how can one be warm alone? Um, gee, that's probably used out of context, too, I'm sure. But, uh, <laughs> hey, there's the verse we've been looking for, sweetie. <laughs> well, anyway, but if one, if, one alone, if one can overpower him who is alone, two can resist him. A cord of three strands is not quickly torn apart. And that's a verse that is used in, oftentimes in weddings. And it tries to you know, kind of infer that, you know, here's two people coming together and the Lord will be that third cord and they wrap them all together and they're going to be stronger. But that's not what the verse is talking about. Basically what the verse means is very simply this, that if you have a friend, 
then you are as strong as a three-corded rope. And a three-corded rope is not easily broken. And uh, that's all that it means, is that we all need friends because we need the strength that comes with friendship. We need the accountability that comes with friendship. We need the safety that comes with friendship. And we'll see that as we go through this. And so rather than trying to define things on our own, as, as sometimes we tend to do, and if you were asked the question, you know, who's, who's a, a friend of yours, uh, what makes them a friend, we can go on for a long time and discuss it. But you already know I really don't care too much about what your opinions are, nor should you care about what mine are, so it doesn't really matter. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at insights about friendship from the, from the Bible. Um, three things, basically, to break the topic. Insights, instruction, and, and, and ingredients, and we'll go through it and we'll take a look at them one at a time. And in this particular um, area where we, we've got it broken out into insights about friendship, I want you to stop and just listen for a moment. Don't judge what you're, what you're reading. Don't jump to conclusions on whether you think it's right or wrong or good or bad or whether you're indifferent to it. But I just want you to look at it for what the Bible has to say about it. And God gives us some insights into friendship that are going to be surprising, I think, to some of us, because they were to me as I was going through it, in trying to understand what makes a good friendship. If you've got your Bible, look at Proverbs chapter 14. Proverbs 14, skip back a book, Proverbs 14, verse 20. Now, some of you are going to sit in there and go, man, this is really an interesting concept here. Proverbs 14, 20 says that the poor is hated even by his neighbor. There we go again with the first interchangeable word. The poor is hated even by a friend, um, as you look at that. But those who love the rich are many. All right? Just think about that for a second. Look at Proverbs 19, verse 4. Proverbs 19, 4. Wealth adds many friends, but a poor man is separated from his friends. Verse 6 says, Many will entreat the favor of a generous man, and every man is a friend to him who gives him gifts. All the brothers of a poor man hate him, but how much more do his friends go far from him? Okay, what's the contrast here? Remember the, the, the book of Proverbs is a book of contrast. It's living one way or another way. It's either this way or that way. It's either living God's way or living man's way. It's either living the right way or it's living the wrong way. And so it's very simple as you go through it to understand it. All of us can understand what something is by understanding what it is not. And so God uses that as a form to teach us to give us insight into friendship. What's he saying here? Who's going to have more friends, a poor person or a wealthy person? Oh, good. That's very good. We're back to that again. Okay, now we've got to come up with some kind of a signal so that you know when I, you can actually say something. Be you know, it's, it's, who's gonna, I mean, think about it. Who's going to have more friends? Oh, then let's close in prayer. <laughs> I got 45 minutes here, buddy. <laughs> let's not try to get right to the point. Let's go back to the original question. Who's going to have more friends? Someone with money or someone without money? With money. Why? Because you want some of it. That's why. That's why. Stop and think about it. Here's what God's saying. Hey, people are friends due to money and gifts. You want to make a friend? Give them some money. You want to make a friend? Give them some good stuff. 
How many of you have friends with people who have given you nice things? <laughs> How many of you have ever tried that? <laughs> huh? Think about it. What God's saying is very simple. This is, it's, and this is what we talk. It's an insight into friendship. What He's saying is, if you have money, expect to have a lot of friends. If you share, right? See, the word where it says a poor man, it's not talking about someone who isn't, is not without resources. What it's talking about is a stingy person. Someone who has resources but doesn't share with other people. And therefore, they don't have any friends. Think about it. Have you ever... Want to share that with us? Man, I mean, think about it. Now, who would you rather go out to dinner with? Somebody who reaches for the check or somebody that reaches, you know... Oh, yeah, now we hit it. <laughs> or you want to go out to dinner with someone with alligator arms. <laughs> ah, yeah, Jack Jackson. Oh, what, alligator arms? Come on, show everybody those alligator arms. Yeah, you'll be picking up the check next time there, won't you? Hey, so, I mean, that, I mean, that's as simple as it gets. You want to have a friend, you want to be with people that are generous. Now, stop and think about it from a contrasting point of view. Maybe some of us don't have friends because we are so stinking cheap and tight, we squeak when we walk. You got short arms, long pockets. You don't even know it's at the bottom of your pocket. You don't even know where your wallet is because you never look for it for anything. We all say, start searching for that thing. Take us to lunch. Well, in fact, Jack, we're all going with you afterwards. <laughs> all of us. Come on, everybody. Where should we meet you? Somebody better bring them, though. <laughs> See, what God's saying is, hey, people are friends due to money and gifts. I like that. Because I don't think we should get uptight about the, Here's the way it's going. But that doesn't really buy real friends. How would you know if you never tried it? See, that's what happens. It's like, well, that doesn't buy real friends. Hey, you know what? I've seen people who have been generous that have bought friends for life. I have seen people who are generous who have bought friends for eternity. And I want you to think about something. Because this isn't an option, but listen to what Jesus says in Luke chapter 16, verse 9. Luke 16, verse 9. I love this because he says, And I say to you, make friends. This is a command. This isn't an option. He's saying, make friends for yourselves by means of the mammon or money of unrighteousness, so that when money fails, they, the friends that you've made, will receive you into the eternal dwelling places. Do you realize what he's saying? He's saying that we can make friends by using the resources that God has given us, because it's not ours, it's his, we're just managers, we need to understand that concept, He's saying that we can make friends by the resources that he's given to us by sharing with other people and being generous that will be a testimony that screams louder than anything you could ever say to a friend because your heart is revealed by where you spend the money that God has given you. And he's saying this, that people will come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ through the generosity of God's people who know that money is a temporary vehicle or means to reach people with the love of Christ. Saying, use the money that I've given you and make friends for all of eternity. 
Share with people. Give to people. Be generous with people. And you'll make friends for an eternity, not just for a lifetime, not just temporarily, that you can use what God has given you to reach people for Christ. Man, I like that. We do that in our business. I don't know if any of you are in business, you might want to think about it. Hey, you know what? That's the greatest time because you've got a captive audience. If somebody wants to buy, somebody wants to sell you something they have to sell, and they want you to buy their services or their product, they'll sit and they'll listen to anything. So rather than listen to all the other junk, why don't, you, why don't you share with them how wonderful it is to know Jesus Christ? Why don't you share with them how great it is to know that you can have a right relationship with God for an eternity by coming to know Jesus? And you have a built-in relationship that goes week after week after week because they want to sell you something. We do it all the time. But let me tell you something else. If you're going to make a stand like that and you're going to be a testimony for Christ through your business, then what I'd say is this. You better pay your bills on time too. Because there's nothing more contradictory than that. What Jesus is saying is you want to make a friend for a lifetime and use the resources that God's given you, then when you buy something from somebody, then you honor your commitment and you pay them on time or sooner so that you can show them that money isn't what you're hung up on and it's a temporary vehicle or means to reach people for Jesus. I've seen more Christians lose their testimony because they've done business with people and then they've made every excuse in the world not to pay their obligations. What I'd say is don't even tell anybody you're a Christian because I don't want them to think you're the same kind of Christian I am because you're not. God, help me to understand it and all of us to understand it. We have a responsibility. It's kind of like the way we look at it is this. Our employees come first, our suppliers come second, and whatever's left over, that's what we have left to live off of. And that's just the way it is. It's not us first and everybody else second, third, fourth, fifth, and sixth. See too many people running their business like that. And then you wonder why you're in trouble when a recession hits because we've increased our standard of living and not our standard of giving. You want an insight into friendship? Then we need to become more generous with the resources that God has given us toward other people. And guess what? You can buy friends. <laughs> Man, every time I get excited about stuff, that happens. Come on, what's the deal? Anyway, all right, so that, that's enough of that. You know, it's, it's, you know, you know whenever you want to get real too close, too personal here, you want people leaving feeling real good about themselves. Who was that? <laughs> Hi, bud. How you doing? Haven't seen you for a while. No, better yet, haven't heard you for a while. <laughs> hey, turn to Proverbs 18.24, second. Proverbs 18.24. Look what it says. Insight as to friendship. A man of many friends comes to ruin. A man of many friends comes to ruin. But there is a friend, singular, who sticks closer than a brother. A man of many friends comes ruined. Literally, it just means many friends ruin. But there is one who sticks closer than a brother. Second insight that we have is that too many friends can be a problem. Too many friends can be a problem. See what he's saying? Some of us believe that we have a lot of close friends, and you really don't. And the only way you find that out is when you need a close friend. Find out you know a whole lot of people, but nobody really that well, nor are you close to anyone. You've got a whole bunch of acquaintances. You've got a long list of acquaintances, but you don't have any close friends. And what the Bible warns is that too many friends can ruin. You know, let's think about it from a practical standpoint. I mean, how many people can you really identify with and get along with and hit it off with? And not only that, but how many people are out there in the world that have the same goals, desires, likes, dislikes that you do? When you try to please everybody, you don't please anybody. When you try to live to please a whole bunch of people because you want a whole bunch of friends, you end up with none because no one really knows what you stand for or who you are. 
So you're only going to really hit it off with maybe a, a one or two. If over the course of your lifetime you have one or two people that are close to you, then you're most blessed indeed. But we all have a lot of acquaintances. And the Bible just warns us an insight as to friends. Hey, don't try to make too many friends. Because it's dangerous. It's a dangerous thing. And if some of us are name droppers, we know everybody. Man, what are you doing to me? Is that you or me? I hope it's you, because I don't know what I'm doing. Amen. Oh, thank you, Al. That was really good. Oh. Okay, anyway. Oh, some of us had too many friends. I, this is a, a funny story. Um, I think it is. We'll find out in a minute. It, it was to me, anyway. But um, a few years ago, uh, we have a friend that uh, played for the Rams for a season, and he, he, grew, he actually played most of his career in Atlanta, and he was out here on a business trip or something. I don't remember what it was. But he wanted to go with me, and I was going out to a job that we were working on. And uh, we got out to the job, and the guy who was the, the general partner on the job, I introduced him to him and said, so, so no, this is uh, Steve Barkowski, uh, a friend of mine. He's just with me you know, for the day. We're just kind of... And the guy goes, oh, Steve Barkowski. Yeah, I used to have a, a good friend named Steve Barkowski. Now, how many Steve Barkowskis there could there be in the world, right? And uh, we both just stood there and listened to this guy. He said, yeah, I used to have a good friend. In fact, he played for the Atlanta Falcons for a long time. And uh, Steve and I looked at each other like, man, where is this going? This is pretty interesting, you know. <laughs> and, uh, and, and he said, yeah, and he just kept going on and on. And I was just kind of smiling, and I just thought, you know, this could be fun. And I just stood there for a while and just let him dig it deeper and deeper. And he was, he was getting shorter and shorter. He just didn't know it, though. And then finally I said, uh, Alan, um, this is Steve Barkowski. And he just went. Yeah, yeah, and he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been great because anytime I run into him, I just kind of smile, just smile and wink because you know there are people like that. You know they know everybody. Everybody's their friend. You know people like that. They're name droppers. They've got all these people that are their friends and they don't know anybody. You know, and the reason they don't is because they're so arrogant and obnoxious. Who'd want to know them? But the problem is that we've got to be careful as an insight to friendship. Too many friends can be a problem. Look at Proverbs 22, verse 11. Proverbs 22, 11 says, He who loves purity of heart and whose speech is gracious, even the king would want to be his friend. Even the king would want to be his friend. See, what the Bible says is that people want friends that are sincere and friends that are kind. Friends that are sincere, friends that are kind. It says, he who loves purity. There's nothing hidden. It's what you see is what you get. There's no hidden agenda. There's nothing behind the scene. Uh, sincerity means to be without wax. Uh, the word was used um, in ancient times when pottery was made and there were flaws or cracks in the pottery. The way that they would hide those flaws is that they would fill them with wax. And the only way you'd know whether something was flawed or not was that you'd have to hold it up to the sun and let, allow the heat of the sun to beat on it until it started to run. And see, I think sometimes our friendships are like that. God is saying that, he, that we want, people want friends that are without wax. There's no hidden agenda. You can hold them up to the scrutiny of the heat and they'll be able to withstand it. What you see is what you get. 
There's purity of heart. They're not using you for ulterior motives or for their own reasons or to benefit themselves. What they're actually into the relationship for is just for the, the, the benefit and the blessing of being in a relationship with another person. See, God says as an insight that if you want to be a friend, we must be sincere. We must be without hypocrisy. We must be pure. What you see is what you get. What you hear is what I said. I, you don't have to walk away saying, I wonder what he meant by what he said. You know what a person means by what they said if they have no hidden agenda. And somebody who is kind and gracious in speech to one another, that say the right things that build each other up. These are some insights. You know, and as you go through it, you can just look at them and say, okay, hey, you know what? I, I, I mean, do I use money in order to make friends for the purpose of being a testimony before them, knowing that I, I'm not hung up on money. That's not what makes me tick. But using it as a tool and a vehicle, what powerful, and there's no more powerful vehicle in our society than to use material things as a means to get into the heart of another person. Too many friends. Some of us don't, you know, we got that mile, we got that, you know, inch deep, mile long list of relationships. You know, it's kind of like, you know, public figures are like that to some degree. Everybody thinks they know them, and they think they know everybody, but no one really knows who they are underneath all of it. All you see is the veneer. You know, you see the surface. You don't see the heart. You don't see what's going on. Are you like that? Got to ask some tough questions. And are you sincere? Are you kind? Or do you have a hidden agenda? Or you got ulterior motives to your relationships with other people? Because I'll tell you this, people can sniff them out in a second. If you're using somebody, they know it. And the only reason they're putting up with it is because maybe they're hoping that somehow they can be a positive impact on your life. But now you've got to ask this question. In fact, if you would, just ask this question. But is there something that we could do to be better friends? Is there something that we can do to be better friends? Well, what is it? No, you're worse to ask the question. I'll give you the answers. It's Proverbs 18:24. That sums it all up. I hope we come to that, because I'm really curious what it is. Is there something we can do to be better friends? Yes, there is. Thanks for asking. Number one, some of these are going to be really easy. Some of them are going to be really hard. So we'll take the easy one first, because no one ever knows what this means. Number one, love your friends. Here's some instruction. Jesus was asked one time, he said, you know, what was the greatest commandment? Matthew 22. He said, well, basically the greatest commandment is this, that you love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And that, the second thing, is that you love your neighbor, you love your friend as yourself. And in these two commandments, all of the law, all of the Old Testament, all the law and the prophecy is summed up in those two things. So everything that God wants to teach us is summed up in two things. Number one is that you love God, you sell out to God 100%. He comes first before anything else. That's number one. Second thing is that you would love your neighbor or your friend as yourself. So that's the first thing that we need to do is love your friends. Now, the wonderful thing about that is nobody knows what that means. So we can all think that we're doing a good job. Because if I asked you what it meant to love your friend, you would say one thing. Somebody else would say another thing. Uh, someone would think that they're doing it when they're really not doing it. So he gets much more specific. So look at Proverbs Chapter 27, verse 10. Proverbs 27, verse 10. Here's one way that you can love your friend. Proverbs 27, 10. Do not forsake your own friend, 
or your father's friend. And do not go to your brother's house in the day of your calamity. Better is a neighbor or a friend who is near than a brother who is far away. Speaking about the, the, the good thing about living close to somebody. You know, there are many of us who have friends that are closer than any blood relative you'll ever have. And there's something nice about distance or close proximity. The closest friends that we should have from a practical standpoint should be the people who are closest to you in geographic proximity. Because they're there when you need help and you're there when they need help. It's just a simple practical thing. We've got good friends that live 3,000 miles away. Close friends that live 2,000 miles away, 1,500 miles away, even 500 miles away. But you know what? When something's going on that requires their presence, it's not easy for them to be there. And it's not easy for us to be there. And so we need to be cultivating friendships with people that live close to us and cultivate that because it's just a practical thing to do. But what he's saying here is don't forsake your own friend. And, and maybe a simple way to put it is, hey, don't bail on them when they need you. You know, that's that old concept of fair-weathered friends. People are great, you know, and this goes back to that concept of, you know, somebody that has a lot of money and a lot of things and they share them with you and you become a close friend and they lose all of their money and they don't have any more things to give you. Are you still there for them? Or it's like, oh, you don't have any money left. I only put up with you because of your money. I only married you because of your money. I only did this because you had money. Now you don't have it. Now you don't have me. Later, Gator. I'm out of here. You know, there are people that are like that. But not if we're going to be the kind of friends that God expects us to be. Just saying, hey, can I be a better friend? Absolutely. When you have a friend who's going through difficult times, don't bail on them no matter what the problem is. Whether it's a health problem, whether it's a problem of sin before God, whatever the problem is, you need to be there. Don't bail on them. Many of our friendships are like the two guys that went hiking. You know, the guys that are out hiking, they went for a long time. They were friends for 10 years. They were hiking up in the mountains of Montana. They turned around a corner, and there standing right before them was a huge grizzly bear. And the one guy dropped down to his knees, went rifling through his knapsack, and started, he's looking for something. His friend said, what are you looking for? He goes, I'm, I'm looking for my running shoes. So your running shoes? What do you need your running shoes for? We're never going to outrun that grizzly bear. You know, he said, hey, who's worried about the bear? All i got to do is outrun you. And, uh, you know, that's kind of the way our friendships are. That's the way a lot of us are, though. It's like, man, you know, that's all right. You'll get it in a little bit. But, uh, but that's why some of us are. Okay? We're to love our friends. This is some good instruction about friendship. Love them, and the way that you love them is you don't bail on them when they need you. Ask yourself the tough question. You have a friend who's in trouble, and you've turned your back, and you've walked away. Hey, it's not too late. It's never too late to call them and say, I'm sorry I bailed on you. I didn't realize that I did that. Uh, and I need to make that right. I need to call you. I need to talk to you. Hey, that's what this is all about. Okay? Uh, number three, look at Proverbs 12, 26. This is probably one of the soundest instructions in all of Scripture for every area of life. Proverbs 12, 26. It says that the righteous, those who live right before God, the righteous is a guide to his neighbor or his friend. But the way of the wicked leads them astray. All right? You see, here's that contrast again. Right living, wrong living. One who is right before God uh, is a guide to his neighbor. But the one who lives wrong before God will lead them far from God. A friend that will lead, lead you away from the Lord. In Proverbs 13, 20, he carries through with the same thought. He who walks with wise men will be wise. 
but the companion of fools will suffer harm. He who walks with wise men will be wise. The companion of fools will suffer harm. Proverbs 16, verse 28. A perverse man spreads strife, and a slanderer separates intimate friends. A man of violence entices his neighbor and leads him in a way that is not good. What's the principle? Here's an instruction that I don't care how young you are and I don't care how old you are, this sound principle of instruction and insight about friendship will carry us through a lifetime. And that is simply this. You better choose your friends carefully. Choose your friends carefully. People that live wrong before God will cause you to live wrong before God. And if you want to count them as your close friends, then you are a foolish person indeed. And it's amazing to me how many adults that I talk to that can counsel their children on the danger of associating or hanging with, as they say, certain people, and yet they do the same thing in their own life. So much easier to see it in somebody else's life. I can see that the person that you're hanging around isn't good for your walk with the but I can't see that the person that I'm hanging around isn't good for my walk with the Lord. After all, I'm older, more responsible, I know the dangers, and, and I'm, more, I'm more wise than that. And God says, don't be deceived, you fool. 1 Corinthians 15, Don't ever deceive yourself, no matter how young or old you are. doesn't matter. Don't be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. You want sound instruction on friendship? You better take a good hard look at the people that you want to become your friends. It's one thing to reach people. It's another thing to be one of them and what they do. And that's what God's warning about. Lifestyle. Doing what they do. Hanging where they hang. Spending time in the areas that they do. Thinking like they think. Being like they are. Tough question. Ask yourself this. The people that you count your closest friends. Number one... Do they encourage you to love the Lord? Number two, do they encourage you to do what's right before God, to live right, to obey His commandments? Number three, do they encourage you to study the Word of God so that you know what you're to do, right and wrong? Do they encourage you to do the right thing? See, if they don't, then why do you want to be friends with them? Oh, because maybe they're one of the people who have the money. Maybe they're one of the people that have the power. See, maybe they're one of the people that can get you that promotion on your job. You know, maybe that's who they are. And so we begin to compromise and sell out all in the name of, I'd like them as a friend. Hey, let me tell you something. Nobody, nobody should come before you and the first priority of every person that say they love God. And that is that God comes first and everybody else comes second. Nobody, nobody, no job, no thing, nothing should ever interfere with our primary responsibility, and that is to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, to do what's right before God, above everything else and anybody else. And if you can't find a friend that will encourage you to do that, then the best friend you ever have is in Jesus Christ. Because you don't need the kind of friends that are going to create more problems in your life I don't. Each day has enough trouble of its own, the Bible says. What I need is, I need friends who are going to encourage me to love the Lord. 
I need friends who are going to encourage me to do what's right before God. I need friends who are going to encourage me in my walk with the Lord because if I'm not walking closer to the Lord, I'm walking away from Him. You're either growing closer and toward maturity or you're backsliding and your faith is getting weak. Which are you? See, we need to understand that because this is what friendship's all about from a biblical perspective. And we need to look at that. Proverbs 14, look at verse 20 and 21. 14, 20 and 21. Proverbs 14, 20, and 21 says, The poor is hated even by his neighbor, but those who love the rich are many. He who despises his neighbor sins, but happy is he who is gracious to the poor. He who despises his friend. The attitude is one of, hey, you know what? Don't ever look down on your friends. Don't ever look down on anyone. A condescending attitude toward any person is a sin before God. You see what the contrast here is? That, hey, we tend to look more favorably upon people who have money. We look more favorably upon people who can do things for us. But if you can't do anything for me, then what good are you? If you can't get me a better job, or you can't get me a deal, or you can't get me money, or you can't get me material things that I want, if you can't do any of that stuff for me, then what good are you, and I don't need a friend like you. See, I want friends that, you know, can take care of me, my sin nature says, screaming loudly. I want friends who can benefit me. God says, don't you ever, ever look down on another person because they're not what you expect them to be. But you don't have money. You don't have power. You don't have prestige. You're not this. You're not that. You're not the other. God says, man, where do we get such a highfalutin, self-righteous attitude toward other people about who we think we are? Because what I read in my Bible is that I'm a sinner saved by grace. I'm just as rotten as the next person and probably even worse. And that all that I am is dust that God breathed life into and gave me a chance to serve Him. That's all that I am. That's all that I'll ever be. And one of the things that we need to understand is we shouldn't look down on other people for whatever reasons that you've manufactured in your own mind. And so he says, don't look down on them. Um, number five, don't betray their confidence. Proverbs 17.9. Here's a real source of problems in friendship. Instructions about friendship... Proverbs 17.9 says, He who covers a transgression seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates even the most intimate of friends. You want to have some instruction about friendship? Ask yourself this question. Do you betray their confidence? See, one of the important things about friendship is intimacy and confidentiality and closeness to be able to be accountable to one another where we can share the struggles that we have going on in our life. That's what accountability is all about. And if we can't feel the confidence to do that, because we're afraid of who will find out about what we just shared with whomever we've shared it, it destroys the whole foundation of accountability. So what he's saying is don't ever separate, don't ever separate yourself from a friend by disclosing something that was shared to you in confidence. Now the way us weak-minded Christian people do it oftentimes is, you know, no one should know this, but... I, really, I just really feel a burden that we should be praying about this. Praying about it. What should we be praying about? Well, let me tell you. 
here's what happened. Here's what he said. Here's what she said. We should pray about this. Well, let me tell you something. You don't have to pray about it because God already says, don't betray anyone's confidence. So he's not changing his mind on this. He's saying, don't betray their confidence by sharing something confidential, unless, of course, it's in a prayer meeting at your church. Or unless, of course, it's with other people who love the Lord and still don't want to be obedient to his commandments, but they just want to share and gossip and lie and slander and cause all kind of problems. So basically the way it works out is this. If you cannot be told something in confidence and keep it confidential, what I would say to a friend who's about to share something confidential is, please don't tell me because I'll tell everybody. And if that's okay, then tell me. But if it's not, please don't tell me. It's almost like that. It's like, man, you can't even get it from that lip to your ear without hurrying up and saying, is that all there is? Good. Okay. Oh, got to go. Where are you going? Oh, I'm picking up the phone. Here we go. Hello? 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 Pray about this. Yeah, pray about this. So, you know, it's like, you know, don't do that. Don't do that. Man, that's a problem. We'll talk in great depth about gossip in an upcoming session. But if you want to ruin a friendship, then you just betray someone's confidence. You hear what I'm saying? Man, you talk about some practical stuff. If you can't keep it to yourself, then ask it not to be given to you. Right? Number six, don't ever accuse a friend without cause. Don't ever accuse a friend without cause. You know, one of the difficult things sometimes is that when you have a group of people who are associated or as, as a group, have friendship as a group, uh, one of the things is, is that you like to talk about each other. You know, it's just kind of like, I don't know, it's like a passing time or something. And you talk about one another and you do that, da, 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 da. And what God's saying is, hey, don't accuse people without cause. Don't say, I think this is, you know, it's kind of like, here's the way it goes. He said this. Did he say that? See, I always go like this. Did he say that? He said that. Are you sure he said this? And then you repeat it. When did he say that? Where were you when he said that? Here's where he was, and here's when he said it, and here's where he said it. That's what he said? That's exactly what he said. And then they go like this. Well, you know what? I'm going to call him and ask him, because I can't believe he said that. And they go, well, it was something like that. <laughs> oh, it was. Well, how close is this what you said to something like that? Well, something like that. Well, I think I'll call and find out how close it was. Well, it wasn't real close. Oh, good. Gee whiz. You know what? What in the world are we doing wasting all our time doing this stuff? Man, this is so crazy. See how we are? Why do we do stuff like that? You want to talk about being a good friend? Then don't talk about people behind their back. They have nothing to do with the problem. They have nothing to do with the solution. Don't even talk about it. And if it's confidential, you can't talk about it anyway. You know, if you really want to drive somebody crazy, share something with them confidential. Now that they just heard they can't share it. And see how they handle it. I'm going to explode. I'm going to die. i got to share it with someone. And then just make something stupid up. That's even better than find out. You want to test your friends? Tell them something like that. Man, i got something I need to share with you. Yeah. Here's what I did. Whoa. And then you, all of a sudden, you, all these people hear about it. It's like, yeah, well, that was just a test. You failed. Out of here. <laughs> here we go. 
Bring in the next one. All right, here we go. Number, oh, I like this one. You'll like this one too. Proverbs uh, 25.17. 25.17. Turn your Bibles to Proverbs 25.17. Now, this is, this is a fun one. Let your foot rarely be in your neighbor's house, lest he become weary of you and hate you. Yeah, that's good. I like that. Let your foot rarely be in your neighbor's house. And sitting in their house with your feet hanging out the door doesn't count. Lest you become weary of you and hate you. What's he talking about? Instruction by friendships. Don't overstay your welcome. Don't wear out your welcome. And don't ever share this with a guest. You know, I made a mistake one time. And I thought, you know, i got a kind of a sense of humor. I like to share it with people. My grandmother was staying with us. She's from Pennsylvania. She was at one time. And I said, hey... Got a little nickname for her. I'm not going to share with you, but it's kind of like, hey, hey, Grandma. Um, what do fish and guests have in common after three days? You heard it before, huh? She goes, I don't know what. They both begin to smell. <laughs> and she kind of reacted like you did. She's like, what? Have I been here too long? Oh, it's a joke. Lighten up. Well, it wasn't funny because she was a guest at the time. So, um, <laughs> timing. Hey, that's where I'm learning timing. How do you learn good timing? Bad timing. You know, <laughs> the only way you do it, you know, it's kind of you're working through this thing together. So, um, so anyway, what's the point? What's the point? Don't overstay your welcome. Don't always be dropping in. Don't always be calling all the time. Don't always be there all the time. Give those people a break sometimes. Because you know why? What you want to do is you want them always keeping wanting. You always want them to keep wanting more. Man, I really miss so-and-so. They haven't been around for a while. Let's give them a call. See, let them do it. And that's what it's all about, you know? It's kind of like, you know, give, give the people a break. Let them have their own life a little bit. If they miss you, they'll call you. If they don't call you, I don't know what that means. I know, they're busy. <laughs> but that's the truth. You know, don't overstay your welcome. And number eight, and we'll close on this, and this will just really bless you. As if, you know, just in case nothing else has so far. So how many are passing the friendship test? Huh? Tom. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and needy. Okay. Okay, here we go. Proverbs 6, verses 1 through 5. You want to keep friends? You want to hang on to your friends? Then don't ever do this. My son, if you have become a surety, okay, what that means is, if you have co-signed for your friend, have given a pledge for a stranger, I like this now, pay attention, if you have been snared with the words of your mouth, have been caught with the words of your mouth, then do this, my son, and deliver yourself. Since you have come into the hand of your neighbor or friend, go humble yourself and beg your neighbor... Don't even go to sleep. Don't let your eyelids shut. Deliver yourself like a gazelle from the hunter's hand and a bird from the hand of the fowler. If you don't want to ruin a good friendship, okay, don't ever guarantee another person's debts. I'm really in the jam. I need to get along. You're my friend. You've been my friend for a long time. Can you help me out? Man, notice what God says? If you've done that, go to him and say, please let me out of this. 
I didn't know what I was doing. I wish I would have been to that class earlier and we read Proverbs 6. Because I didn't know. Look what it says. Deliver yourself like a gazelle. I can just see you like leaping into your car, you know, driving to the house from the hunter's hand like a bird from the hand of the filer. Please, someone, let me out of this. There is nothing that will ruin a friendship quicker than owing somebody money. I've seen the best friendships ended immediately when someone has loaned someone else money and they haven't paid it back when they're supposed to pay it back. And then they hide from you. They don't call you back. They don't come by anymore. They're embarrassed because they don't have the money. Or they bought something else with it. <laughs> you know, that's kind of the way it works. And they don't want you coming over because you'll see it. And you walk in and say, nice new TV. Where to use our money to buy that? You know, it's kind of the way that it is. What he's saying is, don't ever loan anybody money. Don't ever co-sign for another person. Man, there's a lot of parents sitting here going... Really? <laughs> but they're my kids. They're not my friends. No, 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 no. Don't ever co-sign for anybody. Now, we're going to have a session that talks just about finances. But let me just give you a quick rule of thumb. You want a quick rule of thumb? If somebody needs money, give it to them. Doesn't get any simpler than this. They need it, give it to them. You don't have it, don't give it to them. And if you don't have it and you can't give it to them, then don't borrow it for them. You hear what I'm saying? Pretty simple, isn't it? If you want to maintain friends, don't borrow money from your friends. And if you owe them money, would you please just pay them? Just pay them. See, some of us have money. We can pay back our debts, but we hang on to it because we don't trust God. We trust our bank accounts. We trust our checking accounts. We trust whatever it is. And what God says is, and it's the same thing when you owe debts to anybody. You have the finances to pay somebody. You owe it. You pay them. If you don't have it, you go to them and you tell them how you will pay it. And it's not like, I'm good for it. I'll pay you someday. You know what you say? You know, here's all I can do. But starting this Tuesday, I'll pay you so much money every Tuesday, Dad, for the rest of my life and my kids' lives and future generations. You know, that's kind of the way some of us are. But at least let's make an effort to take care of what's going on. And I'll tell you what will happen. There will be a tremendous healing effect that will take place in your relationship. God only knows how many people are hurt because of something as stupid as not ob honoring our obligations to one another. Pay your debts. You want to be a friend? Love them. You want to be a friend? Don't bail out on them when they need you. You want to be a friend? You better choose them carefully because wrong choice here is really deadly in our spiritual walk. You want to be a friend? Don't look down on them. You want to be a friend? Don't betray their confidence. You want to be a friend? Don't accuse them before other people. You want to be a friend? Don't overstay your welcome. You want to be a friend? Don't ever guarantee debts for anybody. But if you have it, to give it and give it to them. And never expect it to be paid back and never expect them that they owe you something. When it's given, it's given, and it's done, it's done. And don't carry it with you for the rest of your relationship. What a great person that you are. Because if you're going to have that attitude, then don't give it to them. Let's pray. Father, thanks for this opportunity to look at some insights uh, into friendship. God, we just thank you that 
you can also give us some practical instruction as to how we can become better friends. God, as so often is the case, each one of us sitting here looks at this list and says, oh, how I'd love a friend like that. And yet, as always is the case in your word, you turn it back on to us and you ask us, well, why can't you be that kind of friend? God, we can't change other people. It's not our job. We don't have the ability. They're in your hands. Their heart is in your hands, and you can turn it and channel it any way, which way you want. God, but our prayer today, as we've come together, as each one of us individually, just pray that we, as individuals, can be obedient to your word, that you can turn our hearts around, that we can become the kind of friends that you want us to be. And God, we just thank you, and probably most important of all that we heard and we looked at and studied, Help us to be generous people so that we can have a testimony before a world that places so much value on money and possessions. Help others to see that we are men and women of integrity, that we honor our commitments to one another. And help us to use, however you have given us the resources, to use it as a means to buy friends for all of eternity so that we can reach men and women who need to know Jesus Christ with our generosity, our understanding, and our willingness to get involved. And we just thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.